Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for the revelation of your person. We ask that this morning you stir our hearts in the direction of grace and faith. That our lives will be strengthened. And our hearts open to the revelation of your word. I'm asking Father God that you teach us from your word. You open our eyes to see. I thank you because I'm anointed to teach. I thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in Jesus mighty name. Can you say aloud, Amen? Amen. That is better. Let's 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 continue with our discussion on attempt great things for God. Attempt great things for God. We started this conversation around the quote of a missionary by the name of William Carey. He gave a quote. He said, "Expect great things from God." And attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God and do what? Attempt great things for God. In life, most times, we, we are so strong in trying to get things done for ourselves. You know, there's this massive effort. If you look at the sacrifice that people put into getting things done for themselves, it's amazing. The extent they will go, the depths that they will go to attempt to do great things for themselves. Some people will deny themselves. Some people would literally inconvenience themselves to get things done. And sometimes we want to ask ourselves, how far can we go to do things for the Father? How far? What extent can we go to do things for the kingdom of God? You see, one of the greatest realizations that will change your life forever is that whatever you do in the local church, you're not doing for the pastor. It's the body of Christ. It's for the kingdom. You know, sometimes we have this impression that, you know, I'm doing it. It's their church. Right? It's their church. You know, sometimes, maybe because, again, past, some pastors and leaders haven't helped people in understanding of that. But you know, people go about like, oh, it's, it's Pastor Maxwell's church. It's, the church belongs to him and his wife. Absolutely no. Absolutely no. There cannot be a local church without a leader. Okay? There must be a leader in a local church. And the Lord has granted us the privilege to lead. To provide direction. Because he's called us into the fivefold ministry. That doesn't mean the church belongs to us. It means that we have a role to play in helping the body of believers to grow up in the knowledge of Christ. And if we understand this, it will change the way we serve. It will change how we serve. You see, when I, when I get to teach or I get to prepare to teach or come to teach or lead the church, I take it as an awesome responsibility that I approach with fear and trembling of heart. That the Lord will commit the lives of his people to me to lead. 
it is not something you approach with you know i i understand it i'm called you know sometimes when i hear some ministers speak it, it looks courageous it looks i mean like these guys <laughs> it was like without them god wouldn't have been able to accomplish anything but you realize that we are vessels of his mercy that we are vessels of grace and that tenderness we must never lose it praise the name of the lord i said praise the name of the lord Hallelujah. attempting great things for god let's go to second samuel chapter 23 if you were not here when i taught the part one make sure you get it and listen to it make sure you get it and listen to it do you know why it's important to listen to messages all the time even if you were in service uh, thank god all our messages are free no one is sold okay for now maybe i might decide to sell later but no one is sold for now um you know if you as you're listening to me right now you might hear something uh, which registers in your spirit if you listen to, to this same message again tomorrow, you will hear another thing. If you listen to it again, always have messages playing. As I have to um, <clears throat> be cautious to tell music people that faith does not come by listening to music. You know, we can be tempted, tempted to just play music and play music and play music. No, it comes by the word of God. It's important. That you get these messages and listen to them again and again. Soak yourself in these messages. It's, it's life changing. You know, even sometimes when I listen to the messages I've preached again, I'm blessed. Yeah. Why? Because the word of God is ever new. So get these messages and listen to them again. Soak yourself in them. Pay attention to your spiritual life. God wants to do mighty things. There's, there's, there's so much work. So much work to be done. So much. Last week, I was... Um, I, I, last weekend, I was in worry. And I mean, I preached like on Friday. I preached on Friday evening for an hour, 30 minutes. I preached on Saturday morning for three hours. One hour. One hour. Over and over one hour. I preached on Saturday evening again for another hour, 30 minutes. On Sunday, I preached in our main church for, for 45 minutes. I preached in another church for an hour, 30 minutes. And Sunday evening, preached in another church. Um, so all the weekend, I was preaching. And then traveled to Ira on Monday and preached on Tuesday for, for, for another three hours. But when I was teaching in Ira, I was teaching some ministers around the two states. And the pastor sent a text later. He says he's got so disappointed with the way Christianity is gone that he's never been to any church program in two years. That's a pastor. That's a pastor. And about as I began to teach, you know, the Holy Ghost just began to do a mighty work in his heart and just revive and put him back into the ministry. When you hear testimonies like that, it is worth all the effort in the world. It's worth it. You know, because for some people, we are, it's not as if they are not born again. We are trying to represent Christ to them in a proper way. Because they have had a bad representation of God. I, I, are you following what, what I'm saying? You know, it's not like um, traveling is easy. 
you know, some people think when we travel, it's fun. Now you're just traveling. It's, it's not easy. You know, a friend of mine told me, he said, you know, pastor, you, you, you are traveling, you are, so, you are just traveling. And he's a marketer for another company. He travels all the time. So I asked him, I said, why are you traveling? He says he's traveling so that he can market his company products. I said, do, why, do, why, why do you think the gospel does not deserve that kind of sacrifice? You see, we must lift our eyes and see that there is so much need. Sometimes when you even talk to believers who are in churches, you know that they have not been trained properly. So it's more like the harvest, the harvest field, not even those who are not born again right now. Do you understand it? It's more like the harvest field are believers that need to be retrained. And you know it's the most difficult job because I'd say something, they say, that's not what Papa said. I'm like, no. <laughs> this is not competition of Papas. It's scriptures. We're trying to look at scriptures. And it's making it difficult because right now we, it's almost like, okay, let's even leave those who have not heard. Let's even focus on those who have heard and repair them. Because you have crazy understanding all over the place. Prophecies coming to divide families. Are you following what I'm saying? De demons and devils having more prominence in our meetings than Jesus. So much malice, so much bitterness, so much hurt, so much anger. All kinds of things. And you ask yourself, how did we get here? We got to this point. Don't think I've lost track of my message. <laughs> We've got to this point because we decided to make Christianity everything about us, not about God. Are you following this? Come on, are you following this? So if I give, it's because of what God can give to me. If I come to serve God, it's because of what God can do to me. So instead of making God the center of worship, we did what? We made ourselves the center of what? Of worship. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? So if we say, let's pray, what are we praying about? That my destiny will open up. Okay? So you open it up in January. You're praying again in February. What are you praying about? That it will open up again. I thought you opened it up in January. Who closed it? Say the people are many. <laughs> if we say, for instance, let's, let's take two hours and to teach the word of God. Let's just take two hours and stay under the word. Trouble. Trouble will start. That's where you start hearing psychologists say the, the average listening span of a human being is 45 minutes. That same person can watch football for 90 minutes non-stop. Watch the commentary. Watch the opening ceremony. Watch the collection of the third place, second place, and first place. Until the people who are doing the TV program say good night till next World Cup. That's when he puts off the television. He even watches when they close and put all the camera names. Who did what? He's not tired. Let's pray for one hour. Trouble. Why? Because God is not more the center of what we do. It is about us. How God can give us the brand new car to tell our neighbor that our time has come. And that's why the, the demarcation between a believer and a non-believer is getting thinner and thinner 
You know, sometimes you listen to a believer talking like, are you born again? Does your salvation mean anything to you? Praise God. Attempt great things for God. Attempt great things for God. Let's look at 2 Samuel 23. Let's look at this, this, this scripture. And verse 15. And David said with longing. 2 Samuel chapter 23 and verse 15. And David said with longing. Oh, that someone would give me a drink of the water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and brought it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink it, but poured it out to the Lord. And I want to say this. David just expressed a desire. He didn't ask them to do it. You know one thing about, about church and about God? Nobody needs to force you to do anything for God. Are you following what I'm saying? You know, somehow, that's why, I don't know, but sometimes I find it a bit difficult when they say, okay, you know, when people join departments, that's why they'll be committed. I'm like, listen, if you are a believer and you come to the house of God, right? You learn God's word. You should be able to walk up and say, this is where I think I can serve. And just serve. Are you following what I'm saying? I mean, there are guys who are cleaning this place. There are guys on camera. There are guys who just make sure everything is ready. You should find a place to serve. I don't, I don't deliberately draw commitment from people. Because then you have to beg them all the time. I've even, I've even heard some teachings. When people say, if you come early to church, you know, there are angels that give blessings, the, the early blessings. So, what, what, who gives you early blessings when you go to work? You just come late to church because you think it's church. Some of you go to your work as early as 6.30. You understand that? Come on, do you understand that? Or you don't work again? It's just because it's church. You know, if you go late to church many times, uh, go late to your work many times, they are going to query you, they are going to deduct from your salary. But if you come to church late, many times I talk to you, you reduce your tithe and punish me. <laughs> Until any time you come, I just say, don't worry, as fast as you are coming. That's the problem. Because then there's a next church down the road that you can just switch. Are, are you following this? And so it's even, it's even difficult to provide correction. Because then when you receive correction, what happens? You get angry. I'm not doing again. They don't love me here. Because our definition of love is anything you do is right. That's love. I'm not happy. Ah, I'm sorry. I'm too happy. <laughs> We're sorry. Don't get too happy. <laughs> Are you following what I'm saying? But we need to grow up. Because there's work to be done. There's work to be done. Are, are you following this? David just expressed the desire. Oh, I wish that I would drink water. Three men heard that desire. That's what I'm trying to say. You see, there are desires in the heart of God. That God will just express. It is left for us to do what? To go and take those desires. 
What is one of the desires of God in scripture? He wishes that all men will be saved. Come on. Do you understand that? I think one of the greatest mistakes we did in starting churches was making evangelism a department. That's why we don't have an evangelism department here. Everybody should be a soul winner. So you have people just say, my own is dance. Their own is to win soul. Whose own is not dance? Are you following what I'm saying? And we're so carried by. It's almost like entertainment is it. We just want entertainment. Every believer should be an active soul winner. It's not, it's not a matter of gifting. It's like, I have heard the message that changed my life. I need to pass the message across. You don't need a call to do that. So they heard the desire in the heart of David. And he poured it out to the Lord. Verse 17. And he said, Far be it from me, O Lord. That I should do this. Is this not the blood of men who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he will not drink. These were done by the three mighty men of David. This statement always gets to me. How can men jeopardize their life to give their leader just a drink of water? Extreme loyalty. Extreme loyalty. Extreme sacrifice. The man just says, I want water. And these guys, I mean, if it were some people, <laughs> they'll say, David, we have been following you all these years. And somebody told me that you don't care. Today, God has made you to say it with your mouth. When there's water all over this region, why is it that it's the water from Bethlehem you want to drink? These are enemies from your father's household. They want to kill you. These guys went all the way for just a glass of water for an earthly man who was not yet even king. You see, one of the things I'll tell you is this. You know, in, 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 in our generation, loyalty is very rare. You must understand that. Loyalty is very rare. People who would really go the extent for you. Because we are almost in an emotional generation. That is why, I mean, I thank God when people give me feedback and pastor, you blessed us, you are the best pastor in my life, you... In fact, after Jesus, you are next. I mean, if, if you say all those things to me, if I'm chatting with you, you just hear me say, wow, praise God. Jesus is glorified. Because you know why? The next three months, I do something you don't like. That same mouth, that same person, I regretted the day I ever heard you. Coming to this church was the worst mistake in my life. There's no love here. All the people, don't mind them when they are laughing like that. They are all useless people. <laughs> the same person. What has changed? Your emotions. Because we interpret love by how we feel. So if I feel loved, then he's a good pastor. If I feel bad, he's a bad guy. I'll tell you this. 
Never let the praises of people get into your head. Just give God the glory and keep on on your assignments. Don't drop the ball. Keep your eyes on the ball. Keep your eyes on the message. Because the same crowd that shouts, Hosanna, Hosanna, is the same crowd that's going to shout, crucify him, crucify him. So you have to understand this. Now listen, I'm on a mission to the cross. It doesn't matter what you say, Hosanna or crucify, there's one mission. Are you following what I'm saying? Especially for ministers of the gospel, you keep your eyes on the ball. You keep your heart right to God. One of the things I, I tell myself, listen, as a, as a pastor, as a human being, you will make mistakes, you will offend some people, you will do stuff that people don't like. But you know the, the beautiful thing of, the, of it? Keep your heart right with God. Let your motives be pure. And why am I saying all of this? Because when these people brought this water to David, David did not drink it. What did he do? He poured it as an offering to God. Whatever people do to you in the ministry, as a minister, let it go back to God as an offering to God. It will save you from getting entangled. Do you understand? In the emotions of men. So when they brought the water, he offered it to the Lord. Which means that while they were doing this for David, they did not know that they were actually doing it for who? For the Lord. Attempt great things for God. I, I'm going to talk about six things. I'll talk about three things today and three things on Wednesday. If I can get, if I can get there. But if not, fine. This man made so much sacrifice to satisfy the longing of David. In attempting great things for God, we are saying satisfy the longing that is in the heart of God. And what is the longing in the heart of God? Salvation. That people would hear the message. I don't know if you, I don't know, for instance, some of you, have you, how do I put it now? Without being critical, have you, have you heard some folks who are in church talk about the devil like man is almost bigger than God? Are you like, what have you been listening to? I remember one guy called me. It used to be my, well, I can't say it used to be my cousin. <laughs> okay, he's my cousin. <laughs> we, we used to be close and not close anymore. He called me and said, uh, they realized something. I said, wow, I'm listening. That this our family. Now, the extended one now. It's not making progress. I said, wow, what a revelation. That we are not making progress. I said, so what, what do we do about this? He said uh, that a man had come for family deliverance. That, they want, that there's a tree in our father's house, grandfather's house, that that tree is what is stopping us from progressing. I said, wow. What, what a revelation. That a tree is stopping over, now this is the extended family, because my cousin, is stopping over 45 to 46 of us from progressing. A tree. One tree. Is stopping all of us from progressing. In the midst of this family, we have three pastors. Right? All of us, including, that's including me now that you're listening to. All of us, we are not making progress. 
So I told him, I said, if this tree is so powerful to stop 46 of us from making progress, including three of us that are pastors, I said, let's worship this tree. I mean, this tree, we have to just worship the tree. Why will you cut it down? If this tree is this powerful, we are all serving God, and the tree can withstand God, withstand prayer, withstand everything. We, ah, we can't cut it down. This is the tree we should worship. He said, and that's my problem. I play with everything. I said, no, it's serious. It's logical. If this tree can stop 46 people from making progress, it deserves our worship. Why will you cut it down? Do you know what will happen if we, the tree is standing? It's stopping us. If we now cut it down, if the tree gets angry, we are finished. <laughs> why, why? I mean, the tree is alive and it's still stopping us like this. And we now kill it. We are, we are dead. Even the little progress we are seeing, we completely, why, why should we offend the tree? Let's rather worship him. He might change his mind towards us. Nonsense. And that's how we are almost becoming fetish in Christianity. From, from that, we bring money, we bring oil, we bring coconut, we bring this thing. And you look at the nonsense that's going on. And what will you hear? It brings results. Since when results started validating truth? The scriptures clearly says that we have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his light. Say, hey, I understand. But, but the way things are. Let me complete the family story. Out of the 45, about 39 refused to go to school. Are you understand what I'm saying? Refuse. Refuse to go to school means that they went to school and jumped out of the window. Do you understand what I'm saying? That is, they had the opportunity to go to school. They rather choose to be going out from the window, meaning they were not staying in class. So educationally, there's little you can even do for them. Are you following what I'm saying? Someone say, oh, Pastor, are you saying that demons are not responsible? That demons, I don't play with demons. So yes, we're not playing with them. <laughs> Why will you play with demons? I have many things to play with. Your children are there. Why are you playing with demons? No, we're not playing with demons. I go and play with demons. The truth of the matter is this the day the light of who you are in Christ comes upon your spirit, you are absolutely free. For he that the Son of Man sets free is what? Is free what? Indeed. Not just free, is free what? Indeed. What does indeed mean? Is very, very well free, whatever that is. It means that you are absolutely free. You only remain in bondage by listening to the wrong word. Hallelujah. We are free because Christ has made us free. Listen to me and listen carefully. If the sacrifice of Jesus is not enough for our freedom, nothing else will guarantee your freedom. Not even a deliverance. Now the question is, what is that deliverance going to be based on? Somebody said it will be based on your seed. Can you imagine that? That 10,000 air will do what the blood of Jesus did not do. Did you understand how we think? Sometimes when you hear all these things, pull back and think as a normal human being. Don't think as a Christian. Just think as a normal human being. If someone has shed his blood for you, it's not enough. Then you now need to carry salt and carry oil. And then after they pray, they will not charge and say, listen, this one is 150. No, this, the demon is 150. Demon. We have seen the demon. It's 150. <laughs> 
And you know what? Once you get into their hands, you are hooked. They start extracting money from you. But the problem is, some, for some of you, it is good. Because you will never even give to where they are teaching the truth. So maybe that's also a way that, I don't want to say God, maybe that's also a way the universe <laughs> is using to collect money from you. Because some of you are stingy to the truth. You will hear a hot message like this. You come and say, you bless us. <laughs> Do something. <laughs> ah, you are blessed. And then when you hear all those prophets, you are quick to just say, how much, how much? Don't ever give to someone who demands money. You see, if any minister of the gospel puts money first, he's already missed it. Because the scripture clearly says that a minister of the gospel must, be, must not become a lover of money. It says because some of them think that godliness is a means of gain. And these are the things that are stopping us from attempting great things for God. You know why? Because we are always feeling like we need help. So there's even nothing I can do for God. Who am I to serve God? Who am I to do? Because even me, I need help. Even me, I need deliverance. If you don't see yourself in the right perspective, you will never be willing to do anything for God. You, you understand that? Because you always feel that you need help. So if you keep having that victim mentality... You will never attempt anything for God. Because you never see yourself that you can. One of the things we're going to talk about is attempt to lay hands on the sick. You will never think that you can pray for the sick. Ah, no, me. Hey, it's pastor's job. And I like the way our church is arranged. You know, most of you come to the office, you don't see me. It's very deliberate. People will come, ah, pastor, I want you to pray for me. Like, ah, sorry, I'm not in the office. Oh, just pray for yourself now. Just pray. You just enter the church and pray. <laughs> Then you enter, come and kneel here. After that prayer, the thing worked. You could have just, just stayed in your house and prayed. Are you following what I'm saying? You could have just, I'm not saying don't come to the office, but what I'm trying to say is this. My aim is to teach you to be matured so you can go help other people. Are you following what I'm saying? But if you keep seeing yourself that demons are after you, deliverance, you need deliverance, you need help, you need somebody to see what is wrong with you. If you keep feeling that something is wrong with you, you will never go out to help someone else. To attempt great things for God. Number one, attempt to have a great intercessory life. When we say attempt great things for God, we're not saying go and do mighty things. We're just saying, listen. Keep doing those little things. And those little things are going to amount to mountain, ma mighty things. In James chapter 5, verse 17 to 19, the Bible says Elijah was a man of like passion. James chapter 5. And he showed us how through prayers, Elijah changed the godlessness in Israel. James chapter 5 and verse 17. He was a man of like passion. When he discovered that the, the nation was going out of God's will, what happened? He prayed. He used this prayer to change the course of a nation. Attempt to have a great intercessory life. Pray for your country. Pray for your nation. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. 
Verse 18. <laughs> and he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruits. Elijah was a man of like passion. Verse 19. Okay, let's, let's talk about verse 18. He prayed again, and the heavens gave rain. What's your prayer life? What are the things you pray about all the time? Is it just about you? Do you pray about your nation? Do you pray about the island? Do you pray about other nations? Praise the name of the Lord. Tell your neighbor, attempt to have a great prayer life. I want to hear it loud and clear. Say, attempt to have a great prayer life. Yeah. Not a prayer life of killing people. Prayer life of intercession. Prayer life of intercession. Let's go to Luke chapter 2. I like this story. I know um, our brother Mark taught on this before. Luke 2.36, if you were in service that day. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age. I like this. She was old. And she lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years. A widow of 84 years. Who did not depart from the temple. Look at her life. 84 years. You know, if you have an 84 year come, say, Mama, what are you going to look for in church? Don't worry, just see it. <laughs> 84 years. She did not depart from a temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. This woman was praying and talking to people about the salvation. Even what the Pharisees did not understand, that Jesus was going to be the savior of the world, this woman understood because she was praying. At 84, serving the Lord with fastings and prayers. 84. You are 35. No clue where your prayer life is. If we say, where's your prayer life? Now, you, we would have to join you to look for it. I'm like, where is it? Where is it? There's no clue. Because there's none. It's non-existent. Why is it that for some of us, the older we get, the more we, we stop serving God? It's like, the, it's like when you were young, you were on fire. You know, as you start getting older. As you, it's, it's almost like when you blow that uh, birthday candle. You are literally just really blowing out the fire of, of your spiritual life. So by the time you blow 40, boom, it's gone. There's nothing. You see, I realized this, that if you're not committed to the cause of God, you know what will happen? You'll be committed in gossip, in, uh, things will just be offending you because there's nothing taking your mind. That's why you look at who looked at you, who didn't look at you, who greeted you in English, who was greeting you and you were thinking it was Chinese. You now realize that, ah, no, this is not Chinese. I mean, at the end of the day, you just get caught up. In nasty, nasty little things. When there's a great cause ahead of you. Why? You see, you can be so committed to God that you will even realize you don't have time for some things anymore. Are, are you following what I'm saying? At 84, look at this woman. She was attempting a great thing for God, a great prayer life. Serving the Lord in the temple with fasting and praying. What was, okay, you ask yourself, what is an 84-year-old widow whose husband has died? What is he praying for? He can't be praying, oh God, make me marry again. 84. 
I'm not sure she was praying for her children. The question is, if you didn't have any need, would you still pray? Right? If you didn't have any need, would, still, would you still pray? What was she praying about? The redemption. She was praying about God's purpose. What God had for Jerusalem. She was praying about the revelation of Jesus. She was concerned about the purpose of God. To attempt great things for God is to look beyond yourself to begin to pray about what? The purposes of God. Are there nations you are passionate about that the gospel should come to? Praise God. I mean, thank God for those who, for our partners who, 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 who get us on TV. I mean, we get calls from all over the place. Today we got a call from Sokoto, someone who watched us in the morning. And through our television broadcasts, we are attempting a great thing for God. God's purpose. When last did you pray about God's purpose? When you come to the church, for instance, and you see that it's not filled and more people need to hear this truth, do you pray about it? You know, the, the, the truth, I'm going to spend time to, to, that's not going to be, it's going to be like an in-house talk for like two weeks. I'm going to spend time to teach on your role in church growth. Because you know, sometimes, even as members, we can prevent other people from joining us. By our lifestyle. That's one. Then number two, when a church is small, for instance, I can visit everyone, right? I can go see everyone. I know everyone by name. I can go to your house and fellowship with you. When the church starts growing, you find out the older members, some of the older members now, not this church. I'm talking about another church. Some of the older members now start getting angry. When we started, this church was like a family. Family like this, we're close like this. Now people are coming. Pastor is now a big boy. So even, I was even sick, he could not come. But you should realize that the more the place grows, the more I can't go. Do you understand that? And that can be anti-church growth because your heart is that we should not have more people so that every time you're sick, I can come to visit you. Yeah, it's true. That's why I like it when we're family, family. <laughs> <laughs> and in, my, in me I'm praying that God bring more people and you, you are just by the gate no we are family <laughs> no point so for, for two weeks we are all going to talk and agree on what we want as a people do we want to grow or we just want to be family if it's family me I'm not here do you understand what I'm saying <laughs> do you understand <laughs> how did I get there prayers Anna was praying for the salvation Jerusalem at 84. Let her life challenge you today. I'm not sure we have any 84-year-old here. I'm not sure. Let her life challenge you. You are not too old to pray. They say, oh, let's, we're going to pray for, for 30 minutes. You are 17. You are looking for a chair already. After 10 minutes, you are like this. <laughs> After 20 minutes, you now go chair. <laughs> Even God will just say, don't, that, please don't pray again. Don't, you don't understand that. He's like, but 84. She was praying. The older you get, the more you should enjoy spending time with God. Can I tell you this? Spending time with God and his word will extend your life. 
Because every time you go before the presence of God, you are receiving an impute of divine life. That's why you watch this. Even ministers, if you watch ministers who talk a lot about the Holy Spirit, who do a lot about healing and about the presence of God, if you watch them, even though they are very old, there's still a glow around their face. Why? Because they spend time talking with God. You cannot fellowship with God and not receive the impartation of immortality. Spend time praying. Jesus rose up while it was still dark. We spent time, won't spend time on this. To pray. For what? For his ministry, his purpose. Mark 135. Got up while it's still dark. Attempt to get up in the night to pray for the purposes of God. Not to kill people. You know, I remember a minister told me one time, he was teaching. He said, Have I told you that story? I told you many stories. I'm married to preach like my wife. Now, my wife's got stories. Ah. And very beautiful. So when she teaches, I don't forget because she, I mean, that's how Jesus was teaching with stories. So I'm trying to become, you know, the more I grow, the more I need to have stories now. <laughs> uh, have I told you the story? Which story now? The story of how a guy gave me. How to understand witchcraft, part one to six. I've told you now, when I was in school, right? Some of you need that series, right? <laughs> one guy was attending this deliverance ministry. Just brought those cases, part one to six, understanding witchcraft. <laughs> you know, <laughs> zealous for God, put in part one. Listen, put in part two. My house was almost becoming like a coven. <laughs> I had to pause it. <laughs> Now, I won't tell you because if I tell you now, some of you will go and calculate it. But he mentioned some time, some time zone that this is when witches fly, they take off at social time, and almost like he walks at the traffic control. <laughs> so, in my mind, I was like, do you walk with them or do you, do they chatter your boss? Do you understand? Like, do you, are you there? because the calculation was so, and of course, you know, this is not from scriptures. So, it can be an experiential calculation. So I returned the tape in peace. I stopped at part two. So I returned it in peace. And the guy said, did you learn anything from there? I said, I said wow. Wow. The revelations were so deep, I was almost drowning. <laughs> why would you... So when we say get up in the night to pray, that's why I talked about this. We're not saying get up to kill demons. We're saying get up and pray about what? The purposes of God. Have you ever gotten up at night to pray for the salvation of someone? That, Lord, this might... I'm not talking about your family members. It's easy to pray for the salvation of your family members because they are connected to you, right? I'm just talking about someone. Maybe you, you saw a young man in your street and like, I need this guy to be born again. Have you got up at night? That's attempting great thing for God. To get up while others are still sleeping to pray for other people. You see... If we say let's pray for ourselves, it's very easy. You don't even need motivation. Uh, do you understand? I say, ah, if I say let, uh, at 12 midnight, the whole of this ministry was turning up. This year we are breaking through. 11, people will not even sleep. Around 10. Say, so, you know, finish sleep. You say, no. <laughs> we are prayer by 12. <laughs> Nobody's sleeping. Do you understand that? We're talking about praying for the purposes of God. Things that are not really in a way connected to your own personal desires. That's attempting a great thing for God. Romans 15.30 To attempt a great thing for God is to pray for the ministers of the gospel. To pray for the ministers of the gospel. Romans 
Romans 15, 30. Now I beg you, brethren. Look at this. Put that up for me. Now I beg you. I beg you. Look at Paul pleading. Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. I beg you. Paul was, was telling them, he was pleading with them, I beg you to pray for me. This was the mighty apostle Paul. You know, sometimes it's very easy to criticize pastors. It's very easy. You know, sometimes I pray that the Lord will call some of you to go start churches. I mean, I pray that prayer seriously. It's one of the prayers I get up in the midnight to pray. Some of you will become pastors. Yeah. Because you know, some of you know how to run church very well. We shouldn't be here. You know, as a pastor, as a man of God, you should do like this. As a, as a man of, you see, a man of God who is really called should be like this. <laughs> you don't know the job. And I preach 45 minutes every Sunday. That's the list of my pastoral work. Are you following what I'm saying? Then the rest of the days, settling quarrel between member, setting quarrel between member and myself. <laughs> you know, I can finish a message like this now. Somebody gets angry that it is me you were talking about. Yeah, I can just preach like this. And I'm happy. I'm laughing. So I, that message, something was even telling me not to come to church. But something I said, go. So when I now listened to that second something and I now bent, that something that told me that today, that pastor is going to use you to preach. And it was true. Do you know what? I might spend the next two weeks explaining to that person how I was just preaching. And the person will just say, for now, I want to take my peace. I'll just sit at the back of the church. Peace. I don't want trouble. I'm, do you understand? I might deal with that for another two months. And then you deal, <laughs> you deal with that for two months. Then another person will come say, when that sister was angry, you focus on her. When I am angry, you say you don't have time. I've entered another trouble. <laughs> I'm giving you behind the scenes of pastoral life. I will not pursue that one. Then I will not go tell my wife, the way your husband is pursuing that woman, I'm not saying anything, but just be careful. That is how one pastor, <laughs> that is how one pastor in Abuja, pursue, pursue, pursue. The ministry is cutter. This, uh, do you understand? They have now set me up and my wife. <laughs> I will not be sorting my wife. And at the end of the day, just go that. Every day you'll be crying, God help me. God help me. So Paul was now begging them too. They were begging you. <laughs> he says, I beg you that you, out of your love that you have for me, that let's strive together. In prayers. He says, I beg you. Ministers of the gospel need prayers. Because you know one thing. Let me give you this now. You know, if I get offended and bitter and hot, right? Maybe one person offends me, you know, and I get offended and bitter and hot. Keep the scripture up for me, guys. You know what's going to happen? I can come and preach a whole sermon out of bitterness. Do you understand? Because of what one person has done to me, I can just come and rain curses on everybody. You people, you know, 
And you think that it's a godly warning. You say, ah! The way pastor spoke to us today, God was, ah! God just visited. Nobody could talk. Not knowing that the guy was just hot and bitter. Do you understand what I'm saying? It can contaminate my hearing from God. And I'll use the, 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 the attitude of one to treat everyone. Have you ever wondered? I, I, I think I'll, I'll, I'll pause on this point. Maybe we'll continue on. on, on I'll just talk about the next one then. I'll, I'll build on it. Have you wondered when you heard that pastors committed suicide? Have you asked yourself why? Why? Why do they? They preach hope. You understand what I'm saying? You don't ask yourself why. Because at the end of the day, they are human beings. So what is Paul saying? Paul says, I beg you. Brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ, he was begging them through Christ. <laughs> and through the love of the Spirit, if you love your pastor, you will pray for your pastor. Nothing destroys a local congregation like gossip. And God tells us how to deal with it. If your brother offends you, don't go to another brother. Go to the brother. If we would obey that scripture, we would all walk in love. If you have something against someone, meet them. I'm saying, oh, the way you approach this, I didn't like it. Don't go and tell somebody else. Hey, this one I'm telling you now is just because I don't want trouble. You have created trouble already. Uh, you understand what I'm saying? And then that guy, I mean, I'll give you a typical example. Maybe Kiki's angry with me. And then Kiki tells, uh, tells Fred, the way pastor, I don't, I don't just like it. The way pastor, ah, no, 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 no. You know what's going to happen? When Fred comes to church on Sunday, as I'm preaching, what's going to happen? Say, that's how you will preach later. Do you understand? He, he's already cut off. And he would receive the message in the light of the way you have described the event. So not only have you caused the vision, you have already started putting a stumbling block in the life of someone else from hearing the gospel. And of course, after two Sundays, he will transfer. Are you following what I'm saying? And so God gives us, what is God's scripture? Um, learn it in your life. If you're, even, not just church, even at your workplace. Something is not right, approach the person. If the person is not approachable, you know, there's one boy you can't approach. If the person is non approachable, just pray about it and cast that care on God. Are you following what I'm saying? Pray for the ministers of the gospel. Put up that scripture. Pray for the ministers of the gospel. I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. Pray. Pray. Verse 31, what are some of the prayer points you can pray for your pastor? Look at this quickly. Verse 31, that I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe. Do you know that you can be ministering to people who do not believe? Huh? And that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. He says, pray for me that what I do, the saints will accept it. This is, these are very solid prayer points. Because a pastor can be killing himself for the congregation and he's not accepted. Just pray that whatever I'm doing for the saints, it might be acceptable. I'll tell you this one thing. I'll tell you from the depths of my heart. Being a pastor, in all honesty and purity of heart, to serve the body of believers is one of the most toughest jobs you'll ever find in this earth. One of the most toughest. 
you are here to very high standards. Very high standards. You know, I, I, told, I told someone, I was counseling, and I said, listen, if my wife does something, if, some, if any other woman in church does something, people would just, but if your wife does it, whoa, pastor's wife. And she called herself mama. She didn't call herself mama, you called her mama. Her name is Mary. Even for the kids. It's pastor's children. Sometimes you don't have a normal life. You run, say, ah! Can a pastor's children be running like that? And that is why, <laughs> except, I mean, except for people who are, you can come to this church for maybe a couple of months, you won't even know who my wife or my children is. It's very deliberate so that they can be normal human beings. If not, they won't be able to do anything again. They laugh. Ha! Ah, can the pastors where I just be laughing all at it outside? Why should she, she be laughing like that? <laughs> I mean, the whole church might not greet you. She forgets to greet you. Even she... Even she. If nobody greets me, why not she? <laughs> Paul says, pray that our service for KDCC Bonny Island may be acceptable to the saints. So you see that it requires prayer for your pastor's work to be accepted by you. If not, everything will become offensive. The message you think is about you. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know everything. And why? 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 Listen. It's because the enemy wants to get in a miss to stop the advancement of the gospel. Because the more there is quarrel and rancor and offense and bitterness, we will be striving to put out fires, not advancing. So the devil is crafting this. Are you following what I'm saying? Any minister of the gospel that blesses your life, what should you do? Pray for them. Pray for pastors. Don't be among those who criticize pastors. Just pray. Love on them. Praise the name of the Lord. All right. On Wednesday, I'm going to continue with attempt to have an extreme generous life towards the gospel. Let me just give you a brief summary because I know some of you will not show up. These are for those who will not come on Wednesday. Summary. Attempt to give big to the gospel. Let anything stop you from having an extreme generous life to the gospel. We use David as an example. God told David, don't build a tabernacle. There are too much blood in your hands. David said, listen, I'm going to steal with all my might. Do what? Lay up for the building. And I tell people, even if God stops you from giving, would you still want to give? Have an extreme generous life for the gospel. Okay? We're going to talk more about this on, on, on Wednesday. But have a life that has extreme generosity. Give yourself to the gospel. Give your resources to the gospel. Give big to God. Make it part of your life. Don't withdraw your finances from the things of God. Don't withdraw your finances from the building of God. Learn to be generous. To God, to his ministers, to his missionaries, to his cause, to the gospel. Today we on television broadcasting and reaching hundreds and hundreds of people it's because someone chose to give to the gospel the gospel is free but taking it out is expensive we all have to be part of it are you following what i'm saying we've got a beautiful facility we've got beautiful things going on there we've got staff we're paying all these things require money and the money goes beyond our sunday offerings are you following what i'm saying Praise God. We've got 
bus services every Sunday, going all around the town, bringing people to church. That costs some money. I mean, when they told me of our light bill, you know, I was comparing it to when we were at the other place. Our light bills, we've got to pay light, we've got to put water, we've got to take care of those in our midst who need a bit of support. There are people on scholarships in the church who go into school because you give. If we don't have generous people in the local church, we won't be able to do what God has called us to do. And let me tell you this, generosity is not the amount. It's the sacrifice. Don't ever think that someone is doing the giving. You do your own giving. Don't think, ah, there are, you know, there are pillars. <laughs> there are pillars behind the ministry. You become a pillar. You do something. Never think someone else is doing the job. You have a personal responsibility to be generous to God and to your local church and to your pastor. Are you following what I'm saying? Come on. Are you following what I'm saying? I can't be your pastor for five years and the Lord has never spoken to your heart to give me something. It can't work. <laughs> Are you following what I'm saying? Yes. At least if I am trying, you too try. Is it okay? Come on, I said, is it okay? Paul says, I have not failed to declare to you what? The whole counsel of God. I know it's tough, but I have to say it. Am I begging you? No. I'm showing you what your responsibility is. You cannot have a pastor over your life that you do not minister to. It doesn't have to be six million. It just has to be what is in your heart. It is part of attempting what? Great things for God. Are we fine? Yes. All right. Let's pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you for the revelation of your spirit. I thank you that our hearts are adjusted. I pray, Father God, that today you will put in our hearts, you put in our hearts, the depths of our hearts, a heart to pray, to pray for your purpose. To pray for your purpose. To pray for your purpose. To pray for the salvation of men. To take a hold of a prayer altar and light a fire in it. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Ask your neighbor if you. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.